Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. We're live here on SportsGrid. Craig Mish, Joe Pizzapia, as we close out the month of June right here for you 90 days into a pandemic wouldn't you know we're still going strong here you can follow joe on twitter at joe pisa 17 you can follow me on twitter at craig mish make sure you go over to sportsgrid.com that's where we post our full schedule sports grid radio sports grid television we are a 24-hour sports station that covers gambling it covers fantasy it covers life everything that you could possibly imagine and joe we got it covered for you here on today's show what's going on for a moment there, I thought you were going to break out into space balls, the space balls, the breakfast cereal, space balls, the flamethrower, sports grid. The, you know, I don't know what comes in sports grid, the cereal, whatever the prize at the bottom is. I don't know if it's a little like Scotty Farrell microphone or I, I, don't, I don't know what happens. Maybe a, a Gabe Morency uh, wagering ticket. Maybe <laughs> it's like a ticket he had from the track or something like that. I feel like that would be the prize in the cereal, the sports grid cereal box. I'm pretty sure. All right. Well, uh, that's what you got if you open up the bazooka gum or you got a fortune cookie. Yeah, you get all that stuff. All right. Uh, so uh, interesting notes from baseball to start the show today, as it doesn't necessarily affect fantasy yet, but it could potentially in the future. It also could affect wagering as well. This is why you got to exercise extreme caution with anything financially for the next couple of weeks in Major League Baseball. Now, listen, once you get to spring training, uh, 2.0, then obviously things are going to happen. Guys are going to get hurt. And that's part of what spring training is anyway. So let, let's not make that more of it what it is. But we got this COVID deal now where players have decided essentially because of their family and health situations, similar to the NBA, we're now starting to hear about it in Major League Baseball. We both talked about it here on this show that this is only the beginning of it. We now know of at least a handful of players that have decided that they're not going to play the 2020 season. Late yesterday, Joe, we learned of uh, two players specifically, I think, that were relatively important. The first, to me, I think, was a player that could affect fantasy and reality in some way, maybe not for him, but for some others, and that is Mike Leake of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, I don't know Leake's personal situation, and they did not elaborate as to exactly what's going on with him, uh, but at the end of the season, he's essentially forfeiting a few million dollars, and uh, has a buyout at the end of the season that the Diamondbacks are going to have to pay, some of which Seattle owes previously for the contract that they gave him of $5 million as well. All that money aside, though, Joe, I think that this is something that we have to keep an eye on. This is a Major League Baseball starting pitcher, Mm -hmm. mostly in the NL-only format would probably be used. I don't know that he would be a mixed league option at this stage of his career, But we can start off with that. Mike Leake for Arizona is out. Bump everybody up in that rotation a spot. I know they were fighting it out for the fourth and fifth spot on that team. Probably not so much anymore. No, it does put a little bit more pressure on guys like Luke Weaver and Zach Gowan at the back end of this rotation, or the middle of this rotation, really, to be honest. Uh, But I think both those guys are up to the task, especially in the 60-game season. I wonder if it puts names like... uh, Duplantier into the conversation. I wonder if it's going to put uh, some other games, maybe uh, I think in that organization too, uh, in the Diamondbacks group. Yeah, I mean, yeah I mean, there's another name too. Like, so there's a couple guys kind of on that peripheral. Again, you're not asking too much of them, right? You're not asking them to be the starter for, you know, 30 starts. You're asking, hey, can you make eight to 10 starts this year and, and get us through? Um, you don't like to see a guy like Mike Leake leave a rotation, but obviously, you know, these guys are going to have to do what's best for them and their families and their situations. So, you know, good on Mike Leake making this decision. And uh, the Diamondbacks, I think, are going to be a team that might be searching for a veteran who maybe gets cut from another roster or maybe somebody else uh, via trade. Uh, I think there's going to be some guys out there, but uh, they will fill that gap there. Uh, their, their series really and their season really comes down to Madison Bumgarner, Gallon, and Weaver anyway. Leak was kind of that guy that I think was just going to give you innings. But, you know, I don't think you need as much innings right now as you need good starts. So I think th- in this scenario, it doesn't hurt a team nearly as much as I think it hurts them over 162. Yeah, no, I, and I think that it's interesting because Leak is a serviceable player. But along the lines of some other teams, uh, you know, he, he is a guy that doesn't really get hurt. He could throw 150 innings, 200 innings normally in a full season. 
But certainly this is going to happen around the league. Now we go from Arizona to the Washington Nationals, and the defending champs are not going to have Ryan Zimmerman on their team this year. Ryan Zimmerman, who is an all-time great national, an original Washington National, and a World Series champion from last year, and actually entering a better situation in 2020 with the designated hitter. Now, uh, through his agency, uh, Zimmerman did announce that this is not the end for him. It's just the end for this season for him. Uh, for, again, reasons that are not disclosed. So Zimmerman essentially will sit out this year and then is going to have to try, Joe, next year to latch on with another club. Mm -hmm. In addition to Zimmerman, uh, Joe Ross, who I don't think is a huge uh, factor in either fantasy or reality, but he is another name that uh, was brought up yesterday. And and honestly, even from Zimmerman's perspective in a fantasy league or even in a betting situation, I don't know that it would equate to much. But I think that the moral of this story is, is that we're just beginning with some of the players here. Yeah, and they have guys already like Marcus Thames who can play first base. You have Howie Kendrick who can play first base. Zimmerman kind of came back late into the game anyway. People were wondering if he was going to call it a career, and they decided, ah, you know what, I'll go out there and I'll help defend the championship, and I'll come back for a year and figure it all out. Uh, I can understand him not wanting to go back in. He's paid his dues. He's got his ring. He's had a very good career. Um, I think Ryan Zimmerman can look back and say, hey, I was a really good major leaguer. I was an all-star, excellent third baseman. I was the face of the Nationals for a better part of a decade. And he's got the ring now to prove it all. So there's nothing left for him to do to not get involved with this wacky situation there. I can understand it. And whatever those personal issues or health issues or whatever it might be, he has the right not to play. And you know what? We respect his decision for sure here on the program. And I'm sure the Nationals do as well. Sure. And they're one of these teams that has options. And I think that's the thing. And you could see the Nationals were preparing for life without Zimmerman anyway this offseason. And then when he came back, it was like, okay, that's just another bonus here. And it's another body. But I think the Nats are going to be fine. The Ross one, I think, again, kind of like Leak. It's like you want these guys for some innings there in the back of the rotation. But innings are far less of an issue. I mean, if you ask Max Scherzer to go out there and pitch every fifth day, and you don't worry about an off day or worry about anything like that, he's going to do it. Max Scherzer is going to do whatever it takes. He's that kind of a guy. So I don't know how much this hurts him. Who, in your mind, becomes that fifth guy now in that rotation for the Nats? Yeah, I think they could just mix and match at this point. I mean, I don't even know that they'll have five guys starting, so I don't yeah. think that losing Ross is... Will four-man rotations be a thing, you think, in this, or no? Uh, some teams have said no. Some teams have said yes. I think every team will handle it differently, but what they're not going to do is tip their hand right before the season because if it's an advantage in some way that, you know, baseball teams are so secretive with that sort of stuff, so uh, they wouldn't say. Um, Anthony Rizzo, who, uh, of course, is a cancer survivor, uh, apparently, according to reports, he... Uh, will play in 2020, or at least he has said he will play for the time being. But that's another uh, interesting name here, too. And, uh, you know, a tale of caution, too, because of the Chicago Cubs. Who knows? I mean, they could be good this year. What if they're not? And then here we are, Joe. They're, you know, a certain amount of games out with a few to go. You know, a guy like Rizzo could just say, hey, you know, I, I, I gave it my all, and I think that the risk is too much, and I'm done. That's part of it uh, as well. Um, and the other thing that came out of uh, basically the Cubs uh, yesterday was that uh, Chris Bryan is, again, uh, the Cubs' leadoff hitter going into yeah. 2020. And so certainly hurts his fantasy value, but uh, going into his free agent year, I think, helps his personal value because I don't think there's any doubt that even though you – know, actually, it's not his free agent year. They tacked on another year, but I, yeah, I think that he'll be moving more. on. I think he'll be moving on from the Cubs after this year. Well, look, he's the, he's the default leadoff hitter. They really don't have another option Nothing. there. Yeah. And that's that's why he's at the top. So it doesn't hurt his fantasy value so much. It just hurts his RBI total. So you have to look at that. Like, he's going to score more runs. He's going to get more at-bats. Those are all positive things. The home run total is going to be the home run total. But what it does do is it brings down the RBI total from a guy, if he's hitting third or fourth or fifth, somewhere in that 90 to 100 range, it's probably going to be more like a 75 range or something like that. And that's fine because he could score a bunch of runs and make up for it a little bit, but you have to factor that into your cost of of, uh, of Chris Bryant. And uh, what it does is also helps him eventually to another team too, because the versatility, sure. a guy who can have success hitting leadoff, you can hit him two, you can hit him three, you can hit him clean up. Uh, you know, if the Cubs had their way, I think they probably would have also found a spot for him. And there's going to be a fascinating market next year for third baseman. Because you're going to have the possibility of Arenado on the block and Chris Bryant. And let me tell you, that's that's pretty incredible because two years from now, the, the shortstop market is mind-blowingly good, too. So that's going to be a fascinating thing over the next couple of years to shake out. But for the Cubs, look, they're another team, too. I mean, they are based on you Darvish being good right now. If you Darvish is not good, the Cubs will not be good. Because Lester, I don't think, has anything left in the tank. Kyle Hendricks is a nice pitcher. The rest of the back of that rotation is, you know, questionable. 
And the second part of that lineup is, again, it's okay for the Cubs, but it needs guys like Ian Happ to kind of step up into the void and finally become that kind of player. He teased at the end of last year, but September does not necessarily convince a lot of people, so he has to do it more than just that one month of September when there's call-ups and some weaker pitching in the National League. Yeah, lots of baseball uh, things happening. We have it all for you here on Sports Grid. We'll continue to uh, cover it for sure. Uh, just a couple of quick notes from some things that, in case you missed it yesterday, uh, the Lakers did end up signing uh, J.R. Smith, so he is now going to be chasing a title with his good friend LeBron, uh, just ahead of them starting up in Orlando. They're getting ready to report, so that is uh, in the news as well, as as well as some comments from Richard Sherman, who kind of you know, busted out there on social media and thought it was really unfortunate about Cam Newton signing, uh, not getting paid all that much money, uh, called it, quote, disgusting. So uh, those were the, you know, other two, you know, sort of hot button topics that happened yesterday, Joe. And, you know, look, I can understand Richard Sherman is going to defend his his guy in the NFL for sure, as he should. But we really don't know the health of Cam. And I'm not going to start to no, we I'm don't. Not start the guess of that. We don't, but there's been guys who have had similar health questions who have gotten, you know, who have the track record of Cam Newton in terms of success, who have gotten more opportunities quicker. And and there's no way around that. And we can hope that that changes. And I think the Boston scenario for a black quarterback is going to be interesting as well, because there's obviously been some things that some uh, Major League Baseball players have shared and some things that have happened in the stands in some of those areas. And I think this is a great opportunity here for, you know, the whole Pats nation and Boston at large and New England community to kind of turn on a dime here and kind of change the narrative that's been out there a little bit in the uh, player community a little bit. And I think that's a good thing. So this is a, a great opportunity to get behind the quarterback who is going to be Cam Newton. Richard Sherman's probably not wrong. I mean, why should a former NFL MVP 15 and one goes to a Super Bowl? And I am not a big Cam Newton guy. Remember, I'm the guy that's tough on Cam Newton. I don't like all the antics and all the shtick and all the nonsense. But the fact is, there's a lot of other guys that you see out there who have starting jobs that Cam Newton, there's no doubt that he's a better talent. Now, look, he, he does have injuries. That's a big question. How You know, he's had leg injuries. He's had shoulder injuries. There's more than one thing wrong with him. But hopefully, if he's healthy enough, this is a great opportunity. He signed a one-year deal. It's a show-me deal. If he shows out, I'm sure he's going to roll it into a lot of money because Cam Newton That's can the still win games. That's the key. And I'm not making excuses for the situation, but uh, I mean, how could anybody know who anyone is over the last two months? I mean, we're going to have no. baseball players reporting the spring training shape out of shape like no one's seen anyone. We've all been keeping right. our distance. And so that's that's had to be a part of this whole thing with Cam Newton as well, I think. All right. Uh, plenty more to come here on this show. We're going to dive into a lot of baseball on the program, talk about some potential players who are on the player pool who we could be interested in in a fantasy situation and also some late round sleepers in the NFC North coming up next. It's time for this day in fantasy sports and our fantasy sports birthdays for June the 30th, 2020. That's on deck right here on sports grid. Craig Mish, Joe Pisapia. Great to be with you here on this Tuesday. We got plenty more to come. So in two minutes, we'll be right back. You stay right there. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. Craig and Joe here with you. Head on over to SportsGrid.com for our entire lineup schedule every day, Monday through Friday, and our weekend shows here on Sports Grid, We, of course, are Fantasy Sports Today every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on the show. And it's the last day in June, so we close out the month with some more birthdays, some more this day in fantasy sports. We're going to just keep rolling with this, Joe. It's just so popular. I think we'll win some uh, pandemic uh, broadcasting award maybe from this, so we figure we'll just keep it rolling. A pause for effect there was just marvelous. I just want to commend you on the, uh, it was a walk-in-esque sort of pause there for the birthdays. And I think that people appreciate structure. And I think there's structure here on this show. And you know, second segment, you're going to get this day in fantasy sports. You're going to get your birthday fixed. And at a certain point in time where I think people actually tune in for it, as crazy as that might seem so. Let's get them underway, baby. Let's do it. One more for June. Let's go. All right. Here we go. June 30th, 2020. We're, uh, a lot of these are from the past, not not so much recent stuff. It doesn't feel like June 30th was a, a good day for the last uh, 10 years for some reason. But uh, anyway, 1965, the NFL awards Atlanta a franchise 
And they uh, ended up calling the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, look, the Falcons, uh, you know, over the last 40 years have certainly had mixed success. Uh, You know, in general, the closest that they're ever going to get was uh, beating New England in the Super Bowl and then completely blowing it, which was, uh, you know, great for you and heartbreaking for me. I just never thought in a million years, not only would they not win, but they wouldn't cover either. Like, it was just maddening. Uh, the the, The history of Atlanta, Joe is very rich with choking stories. I'm sorry mm. to the city of Atlanta for that, uh, but it also goes with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, I, you know, I don't really put the Braves necessarily in that category because they did get the job done. They have a World Series, but there are some people who think 13 championships of the division, you probably should have rolled off a few. Look, that's not for me to decide. That's someone else. But uh, the Falcons, good, bad, and different. Oh, well, look, I mean, the Falcons also got a shot in that Super Bowl too with Jamal Anderson. Those, the Dirty Birds back in the day. And but the did they really have a shot in that game? Uh, I, guess, I guess the answer is probably not. But I mean, look, we got look. Getting there is always important. Some teams still haven't gotten there, right? But uh, the heartbreaking loss that was the twenty-eight to three said situation was—I mean, that's that's the greatest comeback I've ever seen in the Super Bowl. It's the greatest comeback I've ever seen in sports, outside of perhaps that Buffalo Houston Oilers game, that uh, that championship game, I believe it was. That was something that I just couldn't even believe that was impossible to happen. But at least that was in a home field, whereas this was in a neutral site, which I think in some points makes it even more incredible that it happened. It was actually being repeated just a few nights ago, that game. And uh, the most incredible moment in that game is that Edelman catch, that concentration catch. I think it's the greatest concentration catch I've ever seen in the history of football, unfortunately for those Falcon fans. And I knew when they were showing that replay on the big board, you could see the defensive back standing next to Edelman. And you saw, as he realized he caught the ball, you saw the shoulder slump. And you saw the air go out of the bubble. And it's really hard to pump that back in. And unfortunately, they've been kind of spinning their wheels ever since. Hopefully, it'll be a better year for the Falcons. But I know Craig Mish doesn't think so because he's not looking for a bounce back from Todd Gurley. So, sorry, Falcons fans. Craig Mish is not bullish on your chances in 2020. Not this year, no. But I did back you in the Super Bowl and you let me down. All right, 1988, the Chicago, uh, the city of Chicago agrees to build the White Sox a new stadium. And uh, the only reason why they did this is because the team announced that they were leaving and they were going to go play in St. Petersburg and they essentially were going to be the Rays and they were going to build a new stadium for them there, Tropicana Field, the whole nine yards. And then right before they moved, the city of Chicago swooped in. So maybe that's a lesson to learn for some other teams, Joe. Threaten to leave, maybe you get a new stadium. That's yeah, the way it and, for, the, for the White Sox. And a, and a World Series just 17 years later. I mean, that's it, it like 17 years. <laughs> uh, I remember Park, and I know you do too, just for the record. I just put, put that on record. That was that was a crazy little ballpark to watch. They built, a, they built a new ballpark, and it's and it's – Widely accepted as the worst of all the new ballparks. <laughs> uh, 1993, Chris Webber, first overall pick in the NBA draft by the Magic. He was swapped out uh, for Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway went to Golden State. I'm sorry, Penny Hardaway. Yeah, was drafted by Golden State, ended up going to the Magic. Why they even went through that, I'm not really sure, but that's what they did. Uh, 1995, Eddie Murray gets his 3,000th hit, one of the great switch hitters of all time. And then in 2002, Brazil, behind Ronaldo, uh, beats Germany to win their fifth World Cup. So anything uh, strikey is interesting there on this day in sports. I'm sorry that I don't have anything from the last 18 years, but nothing felt all that significant. (laughs) Well, that's all right. I mean, Eddie Murray's still something to talk about. Uh, Switch hitting is kind of a lost art form. One of the few guys who also uh, have 500 home runs who was a switch hitter. So that's a small category. It's like him and Mickey Mantle, Chipper Jones, a lot of guys in that grouping also. Uh, But that was a great career for Eddie Murray. It was. Uh, Not necessarily a very media friendly fellow. We all know that. Uh, didn't, didn't care for your type of people there, Greg Mitch. Wasn't a big fan of the guys with the microphone or the gals with the microphone in front of them, but... Not a, not a fan-friendly uh, individual. No, 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 but one hell of a mustache and sideburns. I think we can all agree on that. Eddie Murray, back in the late 70s, early 80s, that that big triangle sideburn handout from the side of the fantastic mustache was uh, a high level. That's high-level sideburns I'll, mustache. I'll tell you something about Eddie Murray that not a lot of people know, and I guess we can do this when, when his birthday comes, is that... Uh, Eddie Murray, for whatever reason, and I'm not really sure why, I guess I'd, I never I never asked him this question. I haven't really had many interactions with him, so maybe it's unfair for me to you know throw bad stuff. But uh, he is apparently mm-hmm. extremely nice on his birthday every year, no matter what. Supposedly, that's the case. Like, you catch him Let's on his get birthday, him on the show. he's very happy. He's always very uh, jovial. I, this is this is what I've heard. For some reason, that's that's his day. 
I don't that's, know. I, that's crazy. I mean, I, but, I, that, but I grew up a huge thing. fan of the player and he, and he yeah. trained in Fort Lauderdale and, and certainly in my younger days, he was very nice uh, to the young fans. I, I don't know what happened later on. I, I know that he had a, a beef in a playoff game with a reporter, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Uh, this day in fantasy sports birthdays for June the 30th. We have Mitch Richmond in 1965, a very underrated player, uh, Joe, for many years in the NBA with the Golden State Warriors, Sacramento Kings, and then Washington. Uh, I think they were the Wizards at that point. Mitch Richmond, a really uh, solid player that doesn't get talked about a ton. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, again, one of these guys in the 90s, kind of the towards the end of the Jordan era, if you will, or, or in there where he was kind of hitting his prime. But Mitch Richmond was part of that Golden State uh, era group there when you had uh, the Chris Mullins and the Hardaways and those guys. And, you know, that was kind of a fun run back in those days. And, that, and that's, and again, they should have kept it going and they, they didn't. Should. You're and right. They traded, and they traded him for Weber. That's that's how uh, all that went out. Yeah, and speaking of Weber, too, you mentioned that weird trade that went back and forth with Hardaway. That was one of the great NBA draft dramas of all time. I know we kind of glanced over it a little bit. I don't bit, even know what happened there. I, you know, I don't know. I, I I remember seeing something about that in that special they did about the Orlando Magic, and they did explain why and what happened. And there was something about the negotiating factor, and then eventually it's one of those things where the team has to go, all right, well, you'll see, we'll do it. And then they did it, and they called the bluff. There just and then wasn't a huge. Agree. There just wasn't a huge benefit, though, to anyone in that deal. I don't know. Just kind of like they just did the deal. It was out. just good so. TV. And at the end of the day, okay. it was good TV. It was good buzz. It was fun, and something we're talking about. Look, how many years later? So it worked yeah, out. True. All right, 1966. Uh, Iron Mike Tyson was born. We're gonna do a little fun stuff in honor of Mike Tyson's birthday coming up a little bit later in the show, so we can save all of our good Tyson conversations for then. 1972, Garrett Anderson, speaking of a very underrated, very good player for a mm. long period of time, um, really big fan of uh, Garrett Anderson, was always giving you 20, 25 home runs every single season, drove in a lot of runs, too, with the Angels. And, uh, you know, when's the last time we talked about him? Almost never. It's, you know, it just shows you that we forget about how good these players were sometime. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but certainly he was an excellent player in the big league. He was an outstanding player. Garrett Anderson was about as smooth as it comes. I feel like in a lot of ways he reminds me of uh, Bernie Williams in the same sense, a guy who was really, really good. But Bernie Williams played in New York and he played that's in it. Anaheim. That's and it. I think yep. that's – I mean, because I would put those kind of guys in the same conversation, right? Guys who head for power, guys who were good defensive players. Uh, guys who uh, were able to, you know, hit for a high batting average too, and and very consistent year in year out. When you think about the players like Garrett Anderson, I mean, I think of those Angels teams and how he was the rock of those teams, him and Tim Stammen, and then obviously later on. But it, it all depends on where you end up spending your career in certain media markets and how that really does in an unfair way, judge you. And he was with the California Angels, too. A lot of people right. forget they were still mm -hmm. in the California. With Jim Edmonds. That's Jim how Ed far he goes back, right? Him, Edmonds, Salmon. Those are some really good teams. I mean, he played there from the age 22 season all the way to age 36. Uh, I mean, you look at the career and <laughs> 2,500 hits, Greg. Uh, four, where was he home run-wise? 287 home runs. That's that's a pretty good number I mean, right those, there. those numbers are borderline Hall of Fame numbers, honestly. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to see. He was never sniffed the Hall of Fame, unfortunately. But I think these are players that I think you build franchises around. You know, steady presences, guys you can count on in the, bat, in the batting order, guys you can hit anywhere in the batting order. You get him two, you get him three. You can clean up if you needed to. And yeah. I, I was one of the bigger fans of Garrett Anderson, and I always was a guy that tried to get him on my fantasy team when I could. Yep, World Series champion as well. That's right. 1984, uh, Miles Austin from the, the Dallas Cowboys. Really good wide receiver for about three years, I would say, in the NFL. Had some solid seasons, was a solid wide receiver two, three, in fantasy for a couple years as well. Uh 20-some-odd-time gold medalist Michael Phelps has <laughs> got to be mentioned here on this show, arguably uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Olympiad swimmer of all time. I think he's got to be in that conversation. And it's something that is so difficult, right? Like, oh, I mean, how yeah. difficult is swimming? The fact, is. the fact that it all comes down, you know, it's like this sprinting thing. It all comes down to a tenth of a second. And these guys and how, how incredible they are. And he's doing all these different events, too. It's not like it's a guy that's like, well, I'm a swimmer and I do this event. No, he does every single event. And he's winning them all. I think that is even more miraculous. I mean, it's what a freak of nature he was. I mean, that that I mean, that, is that a record that will ever be broken? Right, twenty gold medals. No, I don't think so. No, I mean, yeah, that's twenty-three. Oh, yeah. crazy. And then finally, nineteen ninety-three, Trey Turner of the Washington Nationals, World Series champion, came over from the Padres in a trade that they never should have made, but they did. And uh, and Turner ends up winning a World Series with the Nationals. And 
you know, certainly there's some promise unfulfilled, I would think, with him, with fantasy, yeah, reality. But, fair. you know, still a really good player. And eventually, I do believe he is going to get that season together where, uh, you know, he hits 20 home runs, steals 40, 50 bases. It's just where he bats in the lineup this year is, is going to be somewhat questionable. Yeah, and where do you think he's going to bat in the lineup? Like, where do you think it's best for Trey Turner? I mean, they're talking season? about batting third, so I don't know. I mean, that's, I kind of feel like they need him to. I mean, to be honest oh, with you, I, I think they, you know, the loss of Rendon in that lineup, I think it's imperative to move him to the third spot, and maybe but, that but, will get him to where but, he needs to be. But now, you know, Thames is there, and now they have a DH, so maybe that the plans have changed. I mean, that could that could certainly change. I, I mean, think we'll you want to get Victor Robles more at bats by getting him up to the one spot personally. That For his development... For the future of the organization, I think I don't that's think they're important. Do. He doesn't walk, so yeah, I know. I big part I know. of it. All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to dive into some of the MLB win totals uh, today. On our menu, we have two teams in the American League East. We're going to hit on the Baltimore Orioles and the Boston Red Sox. Also coming up a little bit later in the show, of course, Cam Newton has now made his way to New England. And we're going to go back and look at NFL history and take a look at some of the quarterbacks who basically left their franchise, went to another team. Some had success, some did not. And so we're going to dive into who did and who didn't coming up a little bit later on the show. But we got to take a quick break. This is Sports Grid here on Fantasy Sports Today, and we're going to be back in just a couple of minutes. Also, don't forget, coming up a little bit later today on our TV side, we've got the always fun Scott Farrell going coast to coast. Make sure you catch his show, as well as on TV, also on SB Nation Radio. SportsGrid.com, that's where it's at. We'll be right back in just two minutes. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. is sports grid get on the grid and welcome back we got a baseball season to talk about coming up in late july on the 23rd 24th of july can't wait for that i know i was on a uh, media conference call with the miami marlins yesterday and so uh, you know some interesting discussion we'll get back into some potential players opting in opting out there's there's some of that happening which Joe is going to tell you, hopefully, if you're placing any bets over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, you're you're uh, you're at least holding or you're betting unders. Because if you're betting overs and you find out a guy's not playing in the season, you are going to regret <laughs> putting that money down. Um, you know, I mean, it's just hard at this stage to bet an over on any team in baseball, knowing what the situation is. You could actually get an advantage with an under. I mean, is anything going to change significantly to make it an over? Or is a team going to acquire a player? Is Arenado going to get traded tomorrow? Like, that's the only thing that could change things, I think. Well, that's even one of the more unknown things going into the season is what's the trade deadline going to look like, if anything? Uh, you know, will teams be willing to take on any contract, especially with looming negotiations going on in 2021? Uh, it, is, it is such a bizarre landscape, and it's only going to get weirder. And I think it's – you're probably right. I think the smart thing to do is either look for the possible unders – or just wait it out. Wait it out. Let's see a couple of weeks here as things start to come together, as players make announcements and organizations make announcements of who's in and who's out for this season. Right. And uh, I think that's probably smarter. Now, look, on the flip side, some people will tell you that, I mean, if you look at a situation like the Patriots, right, all of a sudden, you know, in, in football, if you bet the Patriots early, now all of a sudden that total's changing because Cam Newton's there. So there's always something to be said for if you have an instinct or a hunch about something that's fair. But at the same time, I think you want to be more uh, more intelli intelligent with your money, excuse me, and I think you want to look for that that better opportunity to make sure you have all the information at your disposal before you go ahead and make any sort of sports investment. Right. And look, that is a fair point because things do happen in sports that will push a team to and over. And mm -hmm. if you did bet New England 24 hours ago uh, on the over, you would have got nine. Now their number is nine and a half. Conversely, you may look at it and say, ah, Wow, they bumped them up five. Cam Newton doesn't move the needle for me. I I love under, so I'll take Maybe. nine and a half. So some people could feel that way as well. True. All right, uh, with the uh, with baseball's win totals again, this is based on a sixty game season in Major League Baseball. So when you're looking at the numbers, keep that in mind. We'll start off with the Baltimore Orioles, not the most fun team to talk about or discuss. 
Uh, I am a big fan of their organization. I'm a big fan of their general manager, Mike Elias. He knows that. So does everybody else probably at this point. But it's a 60-game season. It's a season that the Orioles, I think that as you said yesterday, if they didn't play, would it be a big deal? Kind of sad to say, probably not. Their total is 20 and a half for 2020. Um, you know, minus 110 across the board here, 20 and a half. Now, uh, if you're looking at a, po- at a couple positives, because I know everyone's going to look at the under here, so let, let me give you a couple of reasons not to go on the under. Uh, Baltimore went 12 and 12 last year, this time in July. So, um, you know, I mean, any strange things can happen. Guess what? If Baltimore has one month of 500, they're going over the total. And in addition, they had a horrible record in one-run games last year. They were 11 and 22 in one-run games, 2019. I would guess that that will normalize a little bit. I don't think that there'll be 11 games under in one-run games, but certainly I just don't look at this team and, and have a lot of optimism for this season in particular. I think it's more of a development situation, and every club is different. The White Sox went through it. The Phillies went through it. The Braves went through it. Miami, Kansas City, uh, Detroit is going through it right now, but Baltimore Joe is in that second year of of the redo here, and you know, for them to go over 20 and a half, a lot of really positive things would have to happen. So, uh, unfortunately, I'd probably lean toward the under on this one. Uh, I would be leaning the under as well. You're also taking away their best player in uh, Trey Mancini and their other best player last year, Jonathan VR. So there are two huge pieces that are not on this team anymore. And I'll give you four more reasons. You're ready for this? Alex Cobb, uh, Asher Wojciechowski. Wade LeBlanc, Tommy Malone. That's the rest of the starting rotation after John Means. That's not a, a great group. Uh, if you're going into the season thinking that they were only going to be 10 games under 500, I think you would think that's a huge win for the Baltimore Orioles. So the fact that they're only putting them 10 games under 500 here over 60, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't understand from a winning percentage standpoint how this is even kind of a responsible number. I think this is automatically an under uh, because you are missing their two best players from last year on this team. They are not there. The back of this rotation is a huge question. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get out of this bullpen. I know they've been talking about Hunter Harvey being that guy at the closer. It could be a committee situation with him and Givens. There's so many questions here and not enough answers. Chris Davis was absolutely dreadful last year. I know he had a hot spring, but that was in March and February, and I don't think we want to be putting our hopes on that. I look at this Orioles team, and I look at that depth chart, and I'm thinking that this is a team, too, that's going to have to play against the most National League East teams in that corridor when the schedule arises and I don't know, Craig. This is really tough. I mean, don't you think this is a team that if I told you that the Orioles are going to win 71 games, wouldn't you kind of laugh at me if, if, if I said that was going to happen? And that's basically what this number is telling you. Is it 71 or is it in the 60s? Well, I mean, isn't it 20 here? Is that what we're talking about? Right. Ten games under right. 500. Right. Uh, that's what... Right. Right. So 81 no, wins. No, would be no, 500. No. So you right. But if they win under... 20. If, no, but if they win 21 games, Joe, that's 18 games under 500. So if they're 18 games under 500, okay, times, I got you. you're talking about losing over 100 games. All so right. It's, so it's, the, no, the number is is pretty much where it, it should be. And again, uh, they're not going to go seven and 53. You know, I don't. I don't think. No, I, I don't think. I don't think they'll go seven and 53 either. But I don't know. 20 and a half seems like a lot of wins there. They're, they're basically you're telling me there's a 20 and 40 team, right? So they're 20 games under 500 with this, right? That's what we're we're talking about. Right. So and, I, and I apologize there. My math was off yeah, in my and, head for a and moment. And it's a hundred loss season. Uh, you know, over the course of a year. I mean, that's basically you know what what it is predicted. And I think and, and that sounds about right, right? I mean, no, the the number the number does feel about right. It, it feels a little bit on the high side, but that's only because it has to be because the variance of only playing sixty games. You know, they could get into a situation where again, Joe, they're twenty two games under five hundred with five to play. They win a few and they go over, and they still had a horrible season. So that, that's fair. I, but they're I, also I made a commitment under... to not bringing up the younger guys too, right? We already talked oh, well, about Ryan you know Mountcastle yesterday. You know There's been some pullback on that now. Oh, they're there has been Ad- change. Okay. Well, they're saying Adley Rutschman may be on there, Mountcastle may be on there too down the road okay. because they because you can pull players off the sixty man, um, but you can't put them back on. So what they technically could do is in two weeks, they could put Mount Castle and Rutschman on the 60-man, pull off two guys who they don't care about, and then they just send those kids to uh, wherever their minor league affiliate is uh, just to practice for the next two months. I, I think that's something that could end up happening. So well, that would uh, change things a little seeing bit. them in the big leagues, I don't know. I, I don't well, know. That's about. what I mean. Like, I can't imagine them starting the clock on any of these guys. And I'll, and I'll call me crazy, but, but I just don't see it happening. It yeah. Look, it, it's very, it's, I don't know if they're going to go over or under. But you're, you're taking two players that combined to give you about 10 wins last year 
in Trey Mancini and VR, which is a really fair point. And and what are you doing? Like you you're not really replacing them with any uh, you know replacement level players. No. Uh, Baltimore would love to have the number one pick in 2021. Let's just put it that way. All right, uh, Boston Red Sox. Uh, their total for 2020 is sitting right at 530 and a half minus 110 over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Over under 30 and a half. Now remember, this was a team that was above 500 last year, and arguably they lost their best pitcher. And they lost their best hitter. Chris Sale is out for 2020 with Tommy John surgery. Mookie Betts is on the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the other part of this that's important to note is that the Red Sox played the Yankees 19 times last year. They're going to play them again this year a lot. And they went 5-14 and 14 versus the Yankees last season. Now, I don't see them going, you know, playing 300 win percentage baseball against the Yankees again. That I don't see. I think that will get better. But they are going to have to play them a bunch. They're also going to have to play against the Nationals and the Braves and the mm-hmm. Phillies. And so I would probably feel a little bit better on the under than I would on Baltimore, just because I think anything can happen at the very end. Uh, I don't think that Boston is playing in particular to win this year. I think that they are a team that will be right back at it again financially in 2021. But, I mean, it, it's very rare to look at a Major League Baseball team and give them a mulligan. But I sort of do with the Red Sox. It's like, you guys won those World Series championships. You fired right. your GM. You lost Mookie Betts. Your pitcher's out for the year. If if the Red Sox went, you know, 25 and 35, like, yeah, the fan base would be upset. But it would be like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, they were like up against it going into the season. Right. That's how I feel about Boston this year. I just don't, I, I don't think they'll be bad. I just, I, I see this going right down to the end and them going under. I think they'll be competitive, so I think they're going to score runs in that sense because you'll get the lineup and the lineup is still pretty good. He's still got Devers and Bogarts and J.D. Martinez. Yes. What you don't have is Chris Sale at the top of this rotation. And we talked about it a little bit yesterday. The Red Sox are one of these teams because of the way the schedule is going to shake out with that Northeast corridor thing happening. Playing the National League East is not going to be easy. Atlanta's a really good team. The, the Mets are a, a very competitive team. Same thing, obviously, the Nationals are World Series champions. The Phillies are good. So like, if you're going to be playing those other teams on top of playing the Yankees, on top of playing the Rays... Uh, that's tough, man. Like we're asking a lot yeah. here all of a sudden. And I'm looking at the rest of this rotation after Eduardo Rodriguez, who I love as a pitcher, but now you got Avaldi, who you know is not a guy you can count on. You got Martin Perez, who is a soft tosser, gets knocked around the ballpark quite a bit. Colin McHugh, who I'm not sure if he can hold up as a starter. I don't, I don't even think know if he's ready to go. I don't I don't know if he's ready to go. Ryan Weber, and then of course you got guys like Brandon Workman at the back end of this rotation. So I think that they were going to score runs. I think they're going to be competitive. But I can't see them getting a lot of wins, and they're trying to tell you they're a 500 team, and I think this is almost a default because it's the Boston Red Sox. And you mentioned this sometimes, too, is sometimes teams like the Red Sox, teams like the Yankees, there's a premium or something you attach to them. I think this is a false one of those, and I think this is a team that would really struggle to be above 500 this year with that rotation, with that bullpen in such a chaos. And to be frank, too, I mean— Look, it's it's a decent enough lineup, but you did lose Mookie Betts in that lineup, and he was at the top of that lineup, and it's not that easy to replace Mookie Betts. Yeah, um, a key name for the Red Sox is one of the men, uh, names that you mentioned, uh, Workman, who was so good last year as their closer, one of the best in the American League in the second half. I think Boston would love to have that player be a trade deadline guy this sure. year if they could end up moving him somewhere else because— Let's be honest, uh, Workman's career has been very up and down. And last year, he put together the best two months of his career. Uh, I believe he's going into a season where he could be moved. So that would be a key name, I would think, at the deadline, that he could be attached, uh, go into the eighth inning for someone, go to the seventh inning for somebody, and I think have some good success. So we'll keep an eye on that as the trade deadline is, believe it or not, 30 days from the day that the season starts. So interesting <laughs> interesting is, composition. That's crazy, man. Team. Like. You saying that out loud just now, that's just bananas, man. Like, I can't even wrap my mind around that notion. And we're starting the season, and the trade line is two weeks from now. Like, that's yeah, pretty much I mean, listen, a team's going to start off 0-5. Oh, All right, we better start talking trade. You know, it's like <laughs> in, in April, the managers go, no, it's fine. We're just getting started. But it's not the, it's not the case not this fine. year. No, completely different. All right, uh, wow. Uh, things are going to look completely different at the quarterback position in New England next year. Not only is Tom Brady not going to be there, but it's going to be, are you kidding me? Cam Newton is their starting quarterback? Wow, who would have had that one a few months ago? The answer is nobody. So we're going to dive into that next, but not so much about Cam Newton, but there are a lot of quarterbacks that are potential or Hall of Famers that ended up switching teams. Some had success, some didn't. We'll talk about that next. You're on Fantasy Sports Today. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. I think people have had time to let things sink in a little bit. Cam Newton is now the new quarterback of the New England Patriots. And, you know, certainly I would think by most accounts, he'd be the favorite to start for them when the season begins in September, Joe. I mean, I I suppose that we're going to have to. I mean, health to me would be the only reason why he wouldn't at this point. And so, uh, you know, I, I guess, I mean, do we do we have to say that we were wrong feeling that Jared Stidham was the answer? I mean, you, you kind of have to, if you were thinking that a month ago, go back and say, wow, I guess I was completely wrong on that one. Not me. I mean, I didn't really have an opinion one way or the other on him, but I mean, you can't really have much confidence. That's, that, that's what happened for me on this, no? Well, I think you have to wrap your mind around that there it was a game of musical chairs here, and there were more quarterbacks than jobs. And uh, the Bears went out there and they overpaid, you would say, for Nick Foles. Uh, If Cam Newton hits all the incentives in his contract, he's still going to make less than Teddy Bridgewater this year. Uh, And uh, Jameis Winston got in a spot, you know, where the the Saints were aggressive over there. And they still got Hill there, too. So there's still another quarterback on that roster besides Drew Brees and him. So it basically became a situation where after the draft, the Patriots just played it well. Everything just kind of fell in their lap. And I know in hour two, we're going to break down the fantasy implications of Cam Newton. I, for one, kept thinking that if the Denver Broncos really wanted to make a run here, that Cam Newton would have been the guy, the perfect fit there. I thought that would be the guy, but I can understand them not wanting to do that to Drew Locke. Hey, look, you know, we, we don't know what the kid is. Let's give him a chance. But how often do you get to acquire an MVP who's only 31 years I old? I know. That's why I was going to stop you. I was like, I, I don't think you're being fair with that quarterback carousel. I mean, you're talking about an MVP of the NFL and I understand at this stage you could you yeah. could make the you could make the physical comparisons based on last year to Nick Foles and to Teddy Bridgewater, but I mean you're talking about a future Hall of Famer, I know, a guaranteed Hall of Famer. And so, uh, look, it does say something that no team was willing to take that plunge. Maybe not having workouts and not having physicals and all that may have played into it. But uh, it, it's really a no-lose situation for the Patriots because if they find that it doesn't work out, they can cut him. And if it does work out, hey, look, keep in mind, New England may not be a good team. He may be a good quarterback. They can trade him and get something for him. And and, they, and they've always been notorious for that. Maybe this is just a warm-up for Stidham and then some quarterback gets hurt and Newton moves on. I mean, it could very well be the case. But uh, there have been other quarterbacks that are headed to the Hall of Fame or were in the Hall of Fame. and had to change their destination. So I thought it would be a good idea to sort of look back in history and bring up a few of them and see if they had success or failure. And the players that had success are are pretty straightforward, I think, at this point. Hopefully I didn't miss anyone. But Peyton Manning goes from Indianapolis to Denver when they draft uh, Andrew Luck, and Manning goes to Denver, puts together the best year arguably of his career, mm-hmm. ends up winning a Super Bowl with Denver. He's got two of them. He's got one in Indy, one in Denver. This worked out beautifully for Peyton Manning. Uh, Joe Montana, uh, Steve Young is knocking on the door. He goes to Kansas City and and puts the Chiefs honestly on the map. To that point, yeah. they really hadn't accomplished all that much since the '60s. And then Montana, uh, you know, puts them back there. They they're very competitive for a couple of years, and he ends the season. He ends his career in a Chiefs uniform. Uh, Brett Favre will be on both of our lists, but on the good part of the list, <laughs> when he went to Minnesota, because he did have a really good season with them. And uh, Kurt Warner is going to be on both of our lists, too, because, you know, ironically, he was in a very similar situation. He had a stop that was poor, and then he goes to the Cardinals. And and I think that really what got him into the Hall of Fame was taking that team to the Super Bowl as well, although they didn't win. And then another one that I thought was worth mentioning here was Randall Cunningham, who people thought his career was completely over because he uh, missed basically two full seasons. He played one game, got hurt, then he missed a whole another full season. Philly moved on from him. He goes to Minnesota and says, all right, I'm not running anymore, which was insane to think, and throws for the most yards and the most touchdowns of his entire career with the Minnesota Vikings. Now, it didn't hurt that Randy Moss and Chris Carter were on each side. That's true. But uh, Manning, Montana, Favre, Warner, and Cunningham all were either Hall of Famers or potential Hall of Famers. I guess Cunningham is the only one that's not in the Hall of Fame, but they all left their teams 
and ended up having success, albeit short-term success for a lot of these places. Yeah, I'm not sure why Randall Cunningham is not in the Hall of Fame <laughs> because uh, that was a pretty damn good quarterback. Let me tell you something about Randall Cunningham, and he could throw the football too. He wasn't just a rushing quarterback. Uh, yes, he did have Moss, and yes, he did have Chris Carter, but they had him. So let's not pretend like they didn't have an outstanding quarterback in Randall Cunningham. The one thing all these guys have in common is they were all in their mid-30s when this happened. And Cam Newton is still just 31 years old. It's very rare we get a player at this stage in his career. And granted, he's had some injuries. He's got some uh, leg issues. He's had shoulder surgery. So there's, there's a lot going on there. But some of these other guys have had surgeries, too. You mentioned Montana putting the Chiefs on the map. Absolutely. Unfortunately, is that same period of time where the Buffalo Bills were on their run. And they just kept running into that buzzsaw of Buffalo, unfortunately. So things did not work out there. Uh, and, of course, he had to watch Steve Young go and have, go win the Super Bowl, which I'm sure was difficult for him. Uh, the Brett Favre Vikings year, let me tell you, I mean, you can make that argument there. There's one play there in that NFC Championship game. If it goes their way that, you know, they end up going to the Super Bowl and not the Saints that year. And uh, we can look back and the bounty gate and a lot of shots that Brett Favre took in that game. Paid Manning's years with the Broncos were terrific. I know the last year was not so good, but we're talking about a guy who was setting records there with the Broncos there at the last stage of his career and had that moment. And I think there's a lot of great athletes like Montana. Uh, maybe it will be Brady, but Manning, we saw it as well, where the great legendary athlete, when you tell him he can't do it anymore, there's something inside of him or her that has to say, oh, yeah, watch me. And then they go out there and do it. Right. And you could be in that scenario with Cam Newton. And the fact that it's a one-year deal is fascinating. And I know we're going to dig more into him later. Yeah, but let's, I can't I can't help connecting the two things because it's, it's mind-blowing where we have a player at this age who is in that same period of, okay, you're not true. good enough anymore to do this. Oh, yeah, watch me. And I think that's all of those guys there. And Kurt Warner with the Cardinals, too. If it's not for this run with the Cardinals to Kurt Warner, Kurt Warner is not a Hall of Famer. Because as you're going to point out in that next section – there was a time where everybody wrote him off and he was absolute damaged goods and he was done. And it turned out not to be the case. And I don't remember a quarterback like that who had a run where he was MVP, damaged goods, and then resurrected himself again after that. That sure. is a strange path. Yeah, and, and the other thing about this too is that yes, the Colts uh, lost all their games the season that Peyton Manning didn't play, but the second Andrew Luck got there, they got good again. So think about that. Uh, Cam Newton being essentially let go by Carolina because they're going into a rebuild. Uh, you know, the Colts were not. They moved on to Luck. Montana, the Chiefs, the 49ers were not. They moved on to Young. Favre, Green Bay, they moved on to Rodgers. Warner with the Rams. Look, Bolger looked fantastic. I, everyone thought Bolger was going to be a Hall of Famer, oh, too, yeah. and they had Trent Green. Uh, and Philadelphia had their quarterbacks also. So, I mean, all those teams weren't trying to lose. And listen, I'm sorry for Carolina fans, but you guys are trying to lose this year. I mean, this is not going to be a good season. And if you're going to go into a rebuild and you're tra and you're chasing down potentially Trevor Lawrence, what do you got to do? You got to lose 14 games. And this is what I think Carolina is trying to do. All right. So those are the success stories. Now let's go to the failures. And, uh, <laughs> and there is a list of failures, too. And there are some others that aren't on here. And if you want to go back in history, I can, you know, John, you left the Colts and went to, you know, uh, San Diego. It wasn't good either. Uh, you know, we're going far back, though, here. I'm trying to keep it at least, uh, you know, relevant to so you know, people saw some of these guys play football. Uh, Joe Flacco, who say what you want. This guy's going to end up in the Hall of Fame one day. I, I know that people may not think so. I mean, his numbers. His numbers stack up again. Listen, you can think what you want. His numbers stack up against all of the guys who were in there already. Can we just get um, Randall Cunningham in there first? Can we just do that? I, can I write a letter, please? I, I, I don't want to put him on here and as an, you know, I know that whole elite thing that was going on for years. Either way, he goes from Baltimore. He wins a Super Bowl with Baltimore, goes to Denver. It was a unmitigated disaster last year for him with uh, Denver. Brett Favre, speaking of disasters unmitigated disaster for him with the New York Jets. Hall of Fame player going to the Jets. We thought his career was completely over. He looked done. Uh, Warren Moon. Wow, Warren Moon. Boy, they thought that the Vi Vikings thought, well, we're just going to, you know, you know, fix this guy's career. We're going to make him great again. Oh, my gosh. Warren Moon couldn't play anymore when he left Houston. He went to Minnesota. Believe it or not, he ended up playing a few years uh, more with Seattle and Kansas City as a backup. Didn't play at all. But he was a starter for Minnesota for a short period of time. They punted him. Uh, Joe Willie Namath went from the Jets, tried to hang on with the Rams, had injuries, career was over. Uh, you talk to Joe Namath, he don't even want to talk about his career with the Rams. It was just no fun for eight games, whatever it was. And uh, Kurt Warner left the Rams and thought that he was going to New York, another situation where you go uh, to a player. This is one of those where I think Kurt Warner still had the talent, 
but an Iowa guy with a family and, you know, family guy, I just think New York was just not good for him. It just didn't work. Um, it, didn't, it didn't mesh. So I got Flacco, Favre, Moon, Namath, and Warner all potential or close to Hall of Famers. They go to their next team. It didn't work out. Failure. Yeah, well, I mean, Brett Favre did win nine games with the Jets. So, I mean, I I, I get it. It was, right, you know. So I'll put him at the bottom of the list. But it, it's. I know. Well, I don't, I don't think it was the same way. I where don't he think was, he was good, though, right? Was he, he good? Was, he wasn't great. He was up and down. But that was Brett Favre, right? He, I think he had the same amount of touchdowns as interceptions. But then again. That's not good. That's Brett Favre. That there's years where he does that in Green Bay, too. And everybody loves him there. Uh, but yeah, it was a good start. And then he did get hurt. Brett's pointing out to me in the, in the ear here. Uh, but I do remember they were eight and one there. That that's, uh, that's a pretty good start there, uh, for those jets. And he knows he's a jet fan, so he's got to keep it real there. There's only small moments of being really good. Uh, but the Kurt Warner one is the one that's just amazing to me because I remember him just looking completely done with the giants and he's holding the clipboard for Eli Manning. And basically you say, okay, well, this is pretty much done. And I'm trying to remember the circumstances in which he ended up in Arizona because Craig, he was not the starter at the time when he ended up there, right? Like they didn't hand him that job in Arizona, did they? It Ooh, seems like there was somebody else ahead impressive. of him and he yeah. ended up kind of taking over that job. I don't know if it was just a, com- a competition in camp where there was an injury. I don't think it was Matt Leinert already. Was it, was it possibly that's then? That's a good one. I think that's who it was. Yeah. I, I think, I think right. it might've think been, they drafted Matt, Matt Leinert and they right. brought him that's in a good and, call. Then, yeah. and then it ended up just like, well, Kurt Warner just winning games. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. That and next thing you know, they're in the Super Bowl there. And that was another great Super Bowl. I love that I Super Bowl. I was at that Super Bowl. That's incredible. In fact, I've got it right here. I've got the ticket. There it is. <laughs> you do. Uh, but Joe Flacco, man, I, I struggle with the Flacco, man. I, hey, look, you can you can, you can can struggle tough. with it. I don't blame you for it. But when like you Eli, look at the I numbers. Get. Eli, I get. Like, Eli's going to go in the Hall of Listen, Fame. I get it. All of the guys who you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, yeah. Philip Rivers, all, all, all of these these iconic quarterbacks, Cam right, Newton, Rivers all, all the ones that uh, Drew Brees, all of them are going to get in before him, but he's going to have his day. He's going to have his day eventually. Well, can, I just want Randall Cunningham to have his day first. That's that's all I'm asking here. And it's it's funny because we're in this weird uh, patch right now with quarterbacks, and this happens. You know, it's a cyclical thing like every other, you know, position in the league. But right now you have a large grouping of quarterbacks starting to age out and a very talented young group here with Tua, with Mahomes, with Lamar Jackson and a couple other young guys here. It's we're in a very interesting passing of the torch here with Brady and Roethlisberger and Breeze and Rodgers and all these guys who are not done yet, but certainly almost. And it's fun to kind of watch the old guys versus the young kids right now. It's going to be a fun 2020. If we can get it, please, please let us have it. I, I think so. All right, that'll do it for the first hour of the show. We got plenty more coming up next as we're going to dive into some potential players that are going to be in the playing pool for Major League Baseball. But you'll want to stay tuned because today is Mike Tyson's birthday. And in honor of that, we're going to go back and play all of the video from all of Mike Tyson's fights one minute or less. No, actually, we're not. We can't do that. <laughs> but we're going to talk about them next. So don't go away. Sports Grid will be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 